Hey, this is Evan Black, pastor of Faith for Life Church, and this is our podcast. Thanks for joining us today. If you don't yet know Jesus, I'm so glad that you're listening, and I pray that this message empowers you to give your life to Christ. If you're just starting out on your journey with Jesus, I hope this empowers you to connect with Him. If you're strong in your connection to Christ, I believe this message will empower you to follow Him. So enjoy today's message. Last year when everything happened with, um, some people have been calling it the panoramic because people are tired of saying the pandemic. Everything happened with the panoramic last year. And a lot of things started shifting. I don't know about for you, but for me, there were things that I thought were sure and secure and you start watching them like crumble before your eyes, right? You start seeing restaurants close you thought would always be there. Just businesses, you start seeing things shake around and it can, it can pose a little bit of trauma, right? I have one of my kids, even now, he's on a baseball team and he still wears a little mask. He's the only one, don't care. He don't care. He's like, okay, you around me, I'm pulling this thing up. He is in a place of like, let me protect myself, so even as things are starting to come back to normal, I'm noticing, wow, there might be some conversations I'm gonna have to have with our kids to make sure that they're able to ease back into when everything normalizes, a place of faith and them not having too much confidence in a mask, but in God Almighty. But some things that were really, I think, shaken last year was for many of us, we came into 2020 excited. We came into 2020 expecting because the top of the year is a great time to do that. But for many of us, the vision for our life and what we thought and what we wanted got shaken, especially if you caught COVID at all. Those could have been some of the most loneliest, darkest days of your life where no one can get to you, you're alone, you're by yourself. Things got shaken. But today, what I want you to be encouraged by is the fact that even though things may have been paused, it's time to turn that vision back on again. It's time to turn your faith, your expectancy back on again about all the things. And if you feel like, you know what? I don't feel like I have had any real focus in life besides let me make this money, let me get this check, let me survive this marriage, let me get through parenting these kids, they almost 18. Let me just do these things. God says, I want you to go a little bit deeper today. Come on, keep your hearts open. I want you to look to me for the vision, what you need to be making plain in front of you and what you need to be pursuing, what you need to be going after through me. So we're gonna look at the life specifically of a woman named Hagar. I don't see her taught very much and I have had the honor of reading and pulling some lessons from her life recently and I wanna share them with you. But let's go to Genesis 16. No, this is 1 Kings, isn't it? I'm allow them to put on the screen since I share with them. So we're gonna read about Hagar and Hagar was a woman that was about to be pulled into an entrapment. Y'all heard that word in the past 12 months? Oh, yes. A big old scandal hit the news and all this recently. Well, it was a couple months ago now. And it was an entrapment situation, okay? And the word entrapment became really popular. It was already in the Bible, but you know. 
And so um, this woman is about to be put into a situation where she is essentially entrapped into the drama of another married couple. And there is nothing that makes us, I think, feel um, trapped more than having people against you. Doesn't it feel like the walls can close in when you have people that are against you, completely opposed to you? So let's go to Genesis 16, and let's jump in there. And I'm going to start at verse 1. As always, y'all know I love Amplified Bible, where the definitions are already in the text. And it says, now Sarai, Abram's wife, had not borne him any children, and she had an Egyptian maid whose name was Hagar. Verse 2. So Sarai said to Abram, see here, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. I am asking you, Abram, husband, go into the bed, never, never, let me keep reading. Go into the bed of my maid, never, so that she may bear a child, never. Let's keep going. Perhaps I will obtain children by Her, Sarah said, she will bear a child, but it will be mine. And Abram listened to Sarai and did as she said, because Abram was a nice dude. If you read through Genesis, he's really a nice guy. Meanwhile, Sarah, you know, it's always one relationship that's stronger than the other. Y'all know what I mean? I think Sarah was the firecracker, and I think think Abram was a chill dude. Let's go to verse 3. It says, after Abram had lived in the land of Canaan 10 years, Abram's wife Sarah took Hagar, the Egyptian maid, and gave to her husband Abram to be his secondary wife. So now Sarah has elevated her status. She is no longer just a maid or a servant. She is now also a wife with Abram. And it took some time for this to happen. Verse 4. He went into the bed of Hagar, and she conceived. And when she realized that she had conceived, she started acting funny. She looked with what? Contempt on her mistress, who is now being called the mistress, Sarai, the wife. Regarding Sarai as insignificant because of what? Her infertility. Oh my goodness, Hagar. First, you in an entrapment situation, walls closing in on you, right? And then now you've been actually made a member of the family. And when you became a member of the family, you now began to treat others as less than you. You know, it's so unfortunate because I believe children of God, us, church, our brothers and, our brothers and sisters, we do this too. I am a follower of Jesus Christ, and therefore, because I know Jesus and you may not be living in this way now ever or ever, I now may see myself as better than you are. I think sometimes when people who are not followers of Christ uh, judge the church, a lot of times they'll say, well, we think we have some superiority complex. We think we're better than they are. And, And if you're not real with yourself, There likely has been a time where you have treated someone who come into the gas station or the grocery store looking crazy and you have put them in this box. You have looked down on them because you feel like you can see sin, you know. Our sin detectors, you know. When they could be pierced up, tatted up, and go harder for Jesus than you do. 
We got to be careful. Everyone has moments of pettiness. Oh, church today. Come on. You know, our pastor say, not us in here. You know, other, other believers, you know. We have moments of pettiness. What is that? Moments where we do something that's a little bit shady, a little bit spiteful, taking jabs at each other. Oh, if you think you don't anymore, be very careful. The Bible says that pride comes before a fall. The Bible talks about be careful how you will judge someone else's independent action, especially because the Bible says you have a beam in your own eye. Your vision is obscured. If you think that action really should brand them for the rest of their life or makes them less than, uh, less than you. Or judging someone based on a sin that the church has deemed as more important than others. It's not okay. And I want to remind us that the beam in our eye, if we started speaking out, if we get okay with uh, judging people, and I mean judging, I'm not talking about having a perspective, that's different. I'm talking about saying they have a heaven or hell they are going to because of one slither of information you may have about someone. I want us to be very, very careful. But here, Hagar has decided to make someone as less significant than she is because of a society standard at the time of having children. Let's keep going here. Verse five. Then Sarai said to Abram, oh Lord, here comes Sarai Petty, y'all. This how, this how I know Hagar was right. <laughs> Hold on, we're gonna keep going. Then Sarai said to Abram, may the responsibility for the wrong done to me by the arrogant behavior of Hagar, be upon you. Okay, so we see petty number one flying out of Sarah, right? She's blaming, blaming Abram for her own entrapment situation she came up with. I gave my maid into your arms, and when, now she a maid, she ain't a wife no more. Here we go. And when she realized that she had conceived, I was despised. And looked on with what? Disrespect. Oh, isn't that a trigger button? How dare you disrespect me? Many bad decisions are made out of disrespect or perceived disrespect. You know, I remember one time my husband and I were talking about the incarceration rate in, um, in jails and how it's overinflated when you talk about African-American males in jail when we're such a small percentage of the population, all those things. I know, deep things, we be talking about stuff. Anyway, so as we're doing this, we're having this conversation, and my husband actually says, how many of those people, no matter what race, do you think are in jail simply because they were disrespected? Think about the streets especially. You disrespected me, therefore I am going to. It matters that much, especially to men. That's why us women, we gotta be careful. We don't want them coming for us. We gotta be careful that we're not running around throwing out disrespect left and right either. It goes both ways. Oh Lord, I'm gonna pause on that one. All right, let's go back to verse five. And I'm gonna read the back half of that scripture again. It says, I was despised and looked on with disrespect Sarah said, may the Lord judge. She bringing God in it, y'all. May the Lord judge who has done right between you 
and who's done right between me. Oh my goodness. She done said God's on my side because of how I've been treated. God is going to pick which one of us is right and which one of us is wrong. Poor Abram. He's just standing there like, look, I just did what you told me to do. You told me to marry her. You told me to get a child with her. I did it. Now she's tripping and you're blaming me. Okay. So here's how he gets out of this one. Verse 6, he says, uh, but Abram said to Sarai, look, your maid is entirely in your hands and subject to your authority. So she wasn't equal with Sarah in the status of their home. Do as you please with her. He's like, look, my name is Bennett and I ain't in it. So what did Sarai do? Let all her petty flow. So Sarai treated her how? Harshly. And did what to Hagar? Humiliated her. And Hagar did what? Deuces. I'm out of here. Hagar said, you going to disrespect me? I'm gone. Hagar leaves. And in the middle of her leaving, she got a lot of choices to make because she is leaving a lot to go to what could be perceived as nothing. Hagar was leaving what a lot of us would define as a toxic situation. You know, the word toxic is a real buzzword these days. She was leaving something that she deemed as toxic, never mind the fact that she started the thing. It's toxic now. And so now she's like, I'm not gonna handle being disrespected, being humiliated, I'm leaving. But God had something to say about Hagar leaving. And God has something to say to us who have also left promised lands, places where God called us to, places where he said he needed us there. And it got real messy. And for some of us, it was right to leave. I'm not referring to just relationships. For some of us, we left the company too quickly. There was a way that was being made for us and we, we got out of there a little bit too fast. For some of us, it may be a relationship. For some of us, it's dumping family members like, like it, they, it doesn't mean anything, you know, whether we're related or not. And I know some can be tricky. I've been there, I understand. But there are moments where God is like, I needed you to wait a little while longer. I needed you to not let the humiliation push you out, to not let the disrespect run you away. And I know it's not very popular to say but sometimes we need to ensure that we're following God over our flesh, even if you're right. Hagar was right. She was being humiliated and disrespected. The Bible makes it plain, Sarai was doing it. So she took off and then God responded to her actions. You know, God always responds to us. You may not feel like you always have an answer from him or I don't know what to do. There is a response for you. And let's see how God responds to her. Verse seven. Verse seven says, and the angel of the Lord found Hagar by a spring of water in where? The wilderness. On the road to Egypt by way of Shur. And Hagar was Egyptian brown skinned girl. Okay. So here she is in a point where she is in the wilderness. The wilderness is desolate. We know that from reading scripture. The wilderness has very little resources. She's by herself. And in a moment where she is by herself, God finds her. 
he sends this angel to speak on his behalf to her. And here's how the conversation went. Verse 8. And he said, Hagar, Sarah's maid, where did you come from and where are you going? Let's stop. Where have we heard this before? In the Garden of Eden. When Adam sinned, not when Eve sinned, when Adam sinned and God came into his presence, came into the garden and he says, Adam, where are you? Because when we step outside of the will of God, we immediately separate ourselves from his presence. His love will never leave. He is always with us, but the power is distant because we have now brought sin into the mix and he does not coexist with it. So even by the question of him asking Hagar, where are you going? Where are you? Oh my goodness, she had made the wrong decision. So much so that God now had to find her. The rest of verse eight says, and she said, I'm running away from my mistress, Sarah. My favorite thing about this scripture is God spoke, but most importantly, Hagar responded. When God speaks to you, how fast do you say, here I am? How fast do you answer? Does he have to nudge you for weeks at a time before you actually face him? Is church the only spot where he can get your real attention? Something about what Hagar said is Hagar, when she said, I'm running away, she has responded to this angel of the Lord, I think in a very unique way. She didn't cower to the floor afraid like we read throughout scripture, where one of the first things the angel has to say is what? Fear not. She immediately tells what? The truth. I'm running away from this lady. That's what I'm doing, Lord. She's honest. Remember I've taught before, God's not afraid of your honesty. When you're scared, upset, want to cuss them out, want to hit them, want to whatever, he's not afraid of our little emotion. He's a massive God. And here we see Hagar tell the truth. She wasn't trying to put on a facade. This was a real situation. This was real life for her. God recognized Hagar in a wilderness. In her darkest time, God was there. In her darkest moment, God was responding to her. Oh, I thank God that over the past 12 months plus, that God was there when, when Pastor Evan, when my husband was almost dying, hours away, not a day, the doctor said hours. God was in that moment when I felt like, oh my goodness, I feel like I might lose my mind from the pressure right now of making sure I'm serving, but also being there for him, but also keeping these kids okay, but also uh, learning online. God help all the parents and the distance learning, praise the Lord. God was there. In your wilderness, do you find yourself going to him? When you've done something wrong, when you've stepped outside of what he wants for you, do you still have enough courage to talk to him? Or do you start trying to avoid, let's get real for a moment, avoiding your real Christian friends, avoiding pastors, 
Avoiding listening to gospel music because I don't want to feel convicted. I'm good where I am. Avoiding all the places where God can get to you. In your wilderness, God wants you to speak to him and never, ever run away from his presence, no matter how you've behaved in whatever situation you've been in. Let's go to verse nine. The angel of the Lord said to her, go back. Everybody say, go back. One more time. The angel of the Lord said to her, go back. Everybody say, go back to your mistress and do what? Y'all better talk. Submit humbly, y'all. He didn't just say submit, and it's okay if you got an attitude with it. Shout out to the wives out there. Okay? Submit humbly to what? Her authority. Oh, my goodness. And there ain't never been a cuss word in the Bible. Submit. Oh, my goodness. We know in the New Testament, especially in marriage relationships, God calls both to submit one to another. We know that in Ephesians 5. But here we're speaking to a woman. God is speaking to a woman who is leaving a situation that humiliated and disrespected her. And God said, your next action should be to submit to the nasty rule of that woman, that boss, that spouse, male or female. God said, I need your attitude to align with your actions. I need you to not run away from the place that I am providing for you. I need you to go back. For some of us, and I believe every person of the sound of my voice, I want you to go back to the top of 2020 in your mind and your heart. Go back there. What were you excited about? What were you anticipating? What was God showing you? What is that thing that you, in your lowest times, you let go of every single time? And God is saying, I need you to go back to that. What is that dream in your heart? What is that thing that he has downloaded in you? And I want you to think bigger than just starting a business. Let's go deeper. What is your vision for your financial future? Do you see yourself debt-free anymore or do you feel like you've run out of time? What about having um, an impact in nonprofits? Yes, you could start your own. But what about certain relationships being healed and mended? Do you see it anymore or is it gone? I need you to go back in Jesus' name. You want healing in your body. You want to be able to play with your grandkids again. And God is saying, I need you to go back because I've already showed you something in your heart. And you might not be able to see it right now. It may be difficult. You may feel like in that situation, this or that took me to a place of wilderness. And in that wilderness, I let it go. But God is saying, I need you to go back to it. Your life is more than just, let me get through the week. Let me get a paycheck. Let me just survive. That is not the life of a believer, not a thriving one. Life is more than that because when you go back to what God has shown you in your heart, for some of us, it's purely freedom. Can you see yourself free of the addiction? Can you see yourself free of it? Whether you have an addiction or not, no one in this room or in, on the planet 
is of more value to you because you struggle. Everybody struggles. We all got something. But do you see yourself dominating that thing? Or do you see yourself humbly submitted to it for the rest of your life? Go back to that place where you had hope, where you believed. For some of us, we just want to, look, I was about to say have a new wig, but I meant it, okay? That's how I be thinking. Some of us be like, look, I just want human hair. I don't want the cankalon anymore. Okay, let me get back on track. Okay, but go back. Okay, y'all gonna remember now to look. Come on, somebody call my revelation up in here. Praise up. Okay, verse 10. The angel of the Lord said to her, I will greatly multiply your descendants. Wow, he is speaking to a woman about her descendants. Powerful moment. I will greatly multiply your descendants so that there will be too many to count. It sounds very similar to what he will tell Abram. Verse 11, the angel of the Lord did what? Continued. Behold, you are with child and you will bear a son and you shall name him Ishmael. And Ishmael means God hears. Because the Lord has heard and paid attention to what? Your persecution, your suffering. Let's pause for a moment. God says, I know you were a part of the drama. I know you were a part of the mess that happened to you. But even though you were a part of the drama that happened to you, I still hear you. You have not disqualified yourself from being heard. God says, and guess what? The promises I made to you, you can pick those things back up, but you got to go back. If you choose to keep on this road in the wilderness and not go back and humbly submit yourself, you will not receive this promise. God reminded her. He reminded her. He told her. This is what's in front of you, but you got to choose it. You get the choice. You get the choice. Every time you have a day in front of you, you get the choice of if you are going to let God's scripture grace your eyes. You get the choice if you're going to actually pray to him more than just help me get over this. But God, I just want to pray to you and actually do it with the heart of praise. God, I just thank you for waking me up. I just thank you right now. I honor your name, Jesus. Despite who I am, thank you for being here, Lord. Lord, I appreciate you, Father. Every day, will you give him something? Something to work with to help get you out of your wilderness, to give you the, the strength to go back to that place in your heart where, God, I believe you. I believe you for this healing again. I know it's been years, but God, you said that you never change. So I don't have a reason to doubt you. I will believe again. I want my marriage healed in Jesus' name. I want to be financially free again. I want to see my life as something you can really use again. God, that is what I want. I will go back 
And God is saying in that your heart is to humbly submit. Because why? Because there is still a part of you that may want to go back and be the way you used to. And God is saying, uh-uh. When you go back to that place in your heart, I need you to humbly submit to me this time. You can't produce it on your own. You can't manufacture it. You can't manipulate your way through it. God says you have to humbly submit to my word. The beauty of it is we have a God who loves us so much. It's a beautiful thing to do it, but it does not feel good all the time because we have to step out on faith. We can't see the next step all the time. And he'll look to you and he'll say, but are you still with me? Good, take that step. Are you still with me? Okay, I want you to wake up a little bit earlier and talk to me before you start your day. I'm gonna wait here until you do that. I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm waiting here. Day one, two, three, four, five. Okay, that's okay. Day seven, you're like, okay, I'm gonna wake up 10 minutes earlier. I'm going to walk around and speak your word because if I lay in this bed, it ain't going to happen, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. You do what you got to do. Get your flesh in check. Day seven, awesome. You did it. God is like, let's take this step out this wilderness. Come on. Come on, girl. All right, today, when that coworker says something crazy to you, I want you to start quoting this scripture that I showed you three days ago. I want you to quote it every time because it'll ground you and make you stronger than their comments. Okay, you're going to do it? Yes, let's go. We almost out. We're almost there. Okay, all right. Tomorrow, wake up early again. You don't do it. Day one, two, three, but you did it faster than day seven. Praise God. You own that thing. Okay, ooh, I gave her some good fuel today. She heard it. Today, she actually got a revelation in her heart. Boom, something went off on the inside of her. Now, without me even having to prompt, she's starting to build in these daily habits where she seeks me. She's listening to a sermon every day. Oh man, come on, seek me, daughter. Seek me, I am here. Seek me, knock, I will answer. And now there's confidence. And now I am able to turn my faith back on. And now I am able to say, nothing will harm me. I will not stumble. I will not fall. God, you are a shield around me. You will protect me because I know your name. He will walk you out of the wilderness. But will you humbly submit your heart? It's so hard when your flesh is strong. Oh my goodness, it's the only thing in your way. It's hard. You don't feel like it at first. It's just like dieting. Oh, Lord Jesus, you get started. And the first thing that you got to do is start denying yourself. Deny yourself the French fries for me. Deny yourself the sweet tea. Okay? You have to start denying yourself. And the way I'm set up, I will start denying myself before I start putting the healthy things in. Because for me, I will sprinkle it all together. I will deny myself the sweet tea, but me and this chocolate cake about to be hidden, okay? But I deny, okay? All right? Okay, I'm supposed to take in a salad. Still sweet tea, salad. Me personally, I start denying myself to get my body in check. Hey, we about to jump. We about to jump. 
And then I start building in the health. God say, step one, some of us need to simply start denying ourselves the things that are fueling our flesh so strongly to where when God speaks and tells you to take that step, you never do it. Your flesh is too strong. It's running you into the ground. So humbly submitting can be very simple, right? And then we'll grow our appetite for him and he will walk us out of our wilderness. I want you to stand to your feet. I wanna pray over you here before we, before we exit. Verse 13, I'm gonna read as you're standing. It says, then Hagar called the name of the Lord. She was so bold. Who spoke to her. You are God who sees. He's given her a promise and said, your son's name would be Ishmael, and it means the God who sees. She immediately responds in agreement with God's word. You are the God who sees. For she said, have I not even here in the wilderness remain alive after seeing him who sees me with compassion and understanding? God saw her in her darkest moments. He gave her that vision for her future. Then he left it up to her if she would choose it or not. It's the same for each of us. You as an individual person have a choice. And today what I want us to pray is that we will humbly submit to God. And I'm going to say this way, in the little things. In the little things. Well, if you enjoyed today's podcast, there's a couple things I'd love for you to do. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. You can also invest in helping us empower others to follow Jesus by texting any dollar amount to 512-520-0185. Thanks again for joining us today on the Faith for Life podcast.